Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shellis was now the fifth coach to reach the 500 mark. 
you're of course you're going to reach it at some point, 35 plus seasons, and he's only not made the tournament in three of his eligible seasons. He's seen, I believe, he's seen two programs to the Division One level, including GCU, when he was hired back in 2014 when we made the jump to start that. But and the question is there whether he's going to stay or not. Obviously, he's welcome to stay with all the success that he's brought on campus here. But we know there's outside factors. I mean, do you think that? He's going to be back next season. Is it too early too, in this season to say that? Too soon to tell this yeah. season. I know there were questions at the end of last year whether or not he was going to return and come back, and he ended up doing it. I don't know how long his contract extension was for or any details on that. But, of course, if he keeps winning, he might as well just keep coming back until you have a bad season and then end it or end it on top. Who knows? 504 wins lifetime. I'd really like to get him on this podcast and just ask him the most blatant question he's ever heard. Which win is his favorite win <laughs> out of 504 wins? Well, he's never won a national championship, so I know that's not the answer. He's made the national championship game a couple of times. A few big wins here in Lobe Country. Oregon State, they knocked off Wisconsin and Creighton, yeah. both ranked teams last year at home. Double right. field stormings and back-to-back games. I was part of the Creighton one. I was on the field for that. They won one nothing. Hame Delore bicycle kick. From 18 yards away on the wide open goal to win it with like nine minutes left. And then as that countdown that normally ensues, 10, you know, starting with the last 10 right, seconds. Yeah. And as soon as that buzzer went off, everybody just climbed over the fence, jumped off the platform and was just storming the field. It was great. And Paul, of course, our wonderful public address announcer. Another great guest we got to have on. Just he, he could do the intro for our show. Yes. I'm Ladies good. and gentlemen, please welcome America's favorite podcasters, Jack O'Hara and Kyle Boar. That was, that was a good Paul impression. Ah, uh, no, he's got the vocals, man. That's true. The voice is a little too scratchy for it. But anyways, Shellis, 504 wins on the road to 600. We'll see if he gets there. You want to talk to George Tesoris? I got a chance to... Catch up with George Tesoris, the Lopes goalkeeper, redshirt sophomore this season from Cyprus uh, at practice, and uh, he's been dealing with a shoulder injury as of late, which was made apparent to me during practice. No idea. I guess he popped it in and out of his socket against UC Riverside and talked to Shellis before the game on Saturday, basically saying he was one tough nut, like, it's not even worth talking about. George is fine. He's a warrior. Warrior if he on the field. Play, he's gonna play. You just know that about George. He's gonna play. For a fact. Uh, he compares Arizona to Cyprus. He's like they're both insanely hot, so it works out for him. We talk a little bit about his uh, love for Tupac. Get a little <laughs> cultural in his music choices. So let's get to that interview. One-on-one exclusive interview with Lopes men's soccer goalkeeper George Tesoris. <laughs> things first how is practice perfect practice is perfect man always perfect always good to be here always hungry to be here that's the right answer you like uh messing around with your teammates during practice yeah so you yeah. out there we do mess around a little bit but it's always good to mess around but when it's time for practice and work you got to put the work in is this your first practice since uh come back after the road trip yes this is uh i had a bit of a shoulder injury so i had to we had to have two days of recovery and now we're back in. So what was the cause of the shoulder injury? So funny story, we played um, Santa Clara's and uh, first minute I popped my shoulder out. I had to pop it back in in the game. 
Well, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I got a bit sore after that. Obviously, just came back from that long road trip, went yes. out to Virginia. How was the trip um, out to, to Blacksburg? It was long, man. Was you guys flew into Charlotte, right? Yeah, and we flew over there. Five hour flight and then three hours bus drive. It was long. Kind of affected the game, too. That's not too bad. I mean, you had two saves in that game, obviously. Yeah. It didn't go your way. Yeah, we were, we were caught off guard. It was a good uh, wake-up call for the whole of the team, you know? Oh, of course. And what, you said three-hour bus drive after yeah. the five-hour flight to Charlotte? What do you guys do during uh, trips like that? Like, are you the type of guy that's, like, sitting back, relaxing, watching Netflix, like, just hanging out? or you Yeah, you know, maybe, like, uh, Netflix and chill or... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reading some books or hanging out with teammates. Got any good uh, movies? Any shows you're watching right now? So I'm trying to watch the Picky Blinders, the new movie, the new new show. Oh yeah. The new coming out. Yeah, I'm watching an illegal site. Don't write that down. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Is that your uh, specific genre that right there? Uh, yeah, yeah. That and also Last Chance U. It's a football. Uh, yeah, yeah. Last sure. Chance University. I yeah. like that one. Just watched uh, Between Two Ferns. Zach Galifianakis. Oh yeah, yeah. Big comedy good. one. That's you got to check one, that too. one out. That, that's that's just insanely awkward. <laughs> like this interview right here is ten times better than anything he did on that show, which makes it just hilarious and awkward all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, so, back home this weekend, Saturday night, first uh, whack game of the year against a whack opponent. What's uh, the strategy going in? Oh, we're going to destroy the team, man. We're going to give everything. We're going to make a, a strong start. Oh, watch out, Cardinals. <laughs> that was a very specific answer. Uh, another thing I want to ask you, just like in general, in life, especially with athletes, I feel like everybody's got like that anchor. Not to be like Dwayne The Rock Johnson here for a second, but like everybody's got that thing that they start their day out with and without it, like whether it's like morning cup of coffee, a morning workout. What's like your one thing, like your anchor that gets you through the day? I, um, so I wake up, I have a shower, and I listen to Greek rap music on my way here. Oh, you a big rap guy? Yeah. Favorite artist? I'm going to say I'm going to go with Tupac. I respect that one. I thought you were going to say something like Migos or... No, no, no. Something new. Thank God. Thank God. I lost a little respect there, and then it, <laughs> you brought it right back with Tupac. Yeah. Big California love guy. Yes, sir. So, obviously, it was a rough stretch at uh, Virginia Tech. Other than that, it's been a pretty great season for you, coming yes. after your freshman campaign. What do you think has been the biggest attribute to your success thus far? Um, I think the way... The kind of mentality we bring in the team, you know, uh, we make we make sure that we we are all treated equally and yeah. we treat everyone equally, so we can develop a mutual respect that you can see it on oh, the field yeah. too. Um, mostly, we call ourselves a family, and that's how we try to be, and that's how we try to show this, the the outside world. Uh, we think that this is a a good way of where you can become strong, even if you're weak as individuals, you know. Because the team is as better as uh, as his weakest link. So, and how do you go about that? Just in general, just picking each other up after games, giving yourselves the confidence, joking around with people on the field, kind well, of a mixture. Okay, so when when we lose, we we feel the loss. We we take the loss. We feel it. You know that burning in your stomach that you feel when you lose. And when we happy, when we like win, we just make the most of it. You know. So we have two distinct features to to feel, and we. We're motivated to keep the losing one away and just keep on winning, you know? Grew up in Cyprus. Yeah. Is it completely different out here, back home? Uh, well, it's pretty hot back home. So, hot. Um, the, the heat's the same. The heat's the same, yeah. yeah. You like it. <laughs> yeah. The people, the, the bit, they're a bit different, but it's all good. I mean, they're, they're polite, they're... They're welcoming people. It, it's, uh, it was pretty nice this morning. You got a little oh, cool yes, off there for yes, about yes, an hour. 
and then it came back I'll out. It's pretty that. nice right now, actually. Yeah. No, it's, it's perfect. When it's raining, it's, it's like the perfect condition for a goalie training. So last question before I let you go. Going into Saturday, with preparations, obviously, with your shoulder and everything, how mm -hmm. are you going to go about uh, prepping not only, like, obviously taking care of your shoulder, but how are you going to prep going into this game? Okay, so I, I have confidence. I know what I can bring to the yeah. table. So I look at every game as the same. You know, every game is a final to me. I give my best and uh, just hope for the best. You know, I can only... I can only control my part and support my teammates, so I'm just making sure that I do what is necessary on my part, and I just see how, the, how it goes. Absolutely, man. Good luck against the Cardinals. Thank you First so much. game of the year. Thank you so much, man. Soccer goalkeeper George Tesori. George, all around great guy, and he is one tough nut, like Coach Shellis said. Talked about his shoulder injury there. Really is not going to affect him the rest of the season, or so we think. That's what he says. That's what we hope for. That's what we hope for. Men's soccer faces uh, off against California Baptist on the road Friday this week. Night. Friday night. Uh, Friday night lights between the Lopes. On the road. And gotta, California Baptist. Got to win on the road. So I were sitting second in the WAC right now. Right behind you, TRGV. TRGV leading the charge in the WAC standings just by a hair. The Lopes breathing down their necks at the moment, so it should be fun in men's soccer. Women's soccer not really having the same success so far this season for the Lopes. Really haven't got together offensively all season long. I mean, they've gotten shut out in their last three games. Haven't scored a goal since they faced off against UC Santa Barbara on September 13th, and their last home goal coming on September 5th against northern colorado the defense has played well though kyle only one point or one goal losses i should say getting my sports mixed up there uh two nothing loss against north dakota at home two sundays ago and then of course senior day with andrea martinez special ceremony before the game fell short in that one two to nothing and again really couldn't adapt on offense to that defensive play from their opponents and then a one nothing loss against Omaha on the road this past Friday night. A big matchup against New Mexico State this Friday. What do you think the Lopes have to do to get going this season? I mean, the offense really has struggled to the point where you're like, something's got to get. Well, first, first WAC game coming up on the road in Las Cruces on Friday, like we just said. So it's going to be interesting for them. So it's a new season, despite their 1-8-1 record. You can still finish the top of the WAC if you go undefeated and have a losing record, even if that's how they end up. They led in shots against Omaha. They outshot Omaha, outshot Omaha with shots on goal, just couldn't find the back of the net. Against North Dakota, the 2-0 loss really was 1-0. Shouldn't have given up the second goal because it was a really bad penalty kick call. I didn't necessarily like that one. We had a penalty kick to try and tie the game against North Dakota, and we kicked it right down the middle. So that so that could have ended in a 1-1 draw, or it right. ended up being a win for us, or what, a one-goal loss instead of a two-goal loss. And then the tie against UC Santa Barbara on the road, they led in that game 1-0. They were leading Northern Colorado the last time they scored at home 1-0 early in that game, and then gave up two late ones. So the offense has been there just a little bit. They just have to find a way to capitalize on their opportunities. And then, of course, a couple of those home losses that are 1-0, or 2 nothing. they've had their chances, they've got shots on goal, they've put pressure on at the end. They just haven't been able to find the back of the net, and that's what they have to do, is they have to find a way to score goals. Because Lauren Garthwaite, the goalie, she has been great in her freshman season so far. I mean, you really can't complain if you're Coach Lear. We got a chance to talk to Derek a few times before some games this season, saying how she was 
obviously the best choice for goalkeeper going in her freshman season here on campus. And despite Florida Atlantic, I think she lost that one 7-1. to That one was a rough start. That was the second game of the year. And then, of course, against San Antonio, a 4 nothing loss. She's been spectacular, not allowing more than two goals in a game. And, of course, the Lopes offense, really, it comes down to this offense getting back into these games. Lauren Barthwaite has... She's kept you in it yeah. for as long as she can. And it's just at some point... When you start throwing people forward, they're going to get an automatic break, and teams have just been able to get past Lauren Garthwaite and so far. You've seen, you saw it against Colorado State. It was clear as day in that game. The offense just couldn't get anything past. I think it was Kathleen Klein for Colorado State, double overtime, and of course the Rams coming away with the final game-winning goal in double overtime. Lauren Garthwaite phenomenal in that game, six saves, just nothing to show for it in the end because the offense just has not been able to adapt to any of these defensive plays thus far. Big matchup against New Mexico State on Friday. Rivalry game Friday night. Time to turn the season around. The other thing with women's soccer is that they've played most of their home games already, so they've lost the home field advantage aspect. Only just four, four more, four more home games on the season. They're gonna have to really get back into this race on the road, which is gonna be a tough task ahead. We'll see what they can do. Let's switch over to GCU women's volleyball. Have not been that successful in years past, but Coach Nolan's squad has revved up the engine so far this season. That might be an understatement. Yeah, revved up yeah. The they have like that a complete one. 360 turnaround from last season. Last season, they weren't bad. They were in the hunt to make the WAC tournament. Just finished just below that as the WAC tournament for volleyball only takes the top six. But right now, they're in position at 12-2, and two, sitting atop the WAC by one game over New Mexico State. So Which they're in huge. first, and then they are gonna. They won their first two WAC games on the road last weekend against Chicago State, a 3-0 sweep, and then they just beat a very good UMKC team that's sitting in third right now at 6-7. and seven. So you can kind of see between 1 and 2, it's very close, and then between 2 and 3, it drops off. There's no winning record after New Mexico State so far. And then they return home, they get Seattle and Utah Valley this weekend, and those are two really winnable games, Seattle... 9-7 on the year, but 0-2 in conference play, so they're at the bottom right now of the WAC standings. But 1-11 all-time is GCU against Seattle, never one at home. And it's interesting because the Lopes have done such a great job beating up on the bad teams this year, despite CSUN, which I don't think anybody can really explain that game, getting swept change of by any. CSUN. Change of any. I mean, that was their only game in the Lopes Gymnasium, right? So that weekend, that weekend, two. they played two games in the Lopes Gymnasium, and, and they, they had, had to the switch third, over to the arena. And then they switched over to the arena where they swept San Diego State. Right. Or so no, they swept Omaha. Or they beat Omaha in five. I'm getting my games mixed up. They did sweep the Aztecs. They so beat that, San Diego State in the arena. That, yes. that won them the GCU Invitational a few weekends ago, beat up on Eastern Washington with a sweep, and of course, UC Riverside, they took 3-1 UC Riverside, kind of hurting themselves in that game. Just way too many service errors in yes. that entire tournament overall for the Lopes. They took advantage of their opponent's mistakes and capitalized on them. And the Aztecs were on fire going into that championship game. In that tournament. Yeah, they were. It was good. I thought that one was going at least four. Yeah, if you were and to then, if I were to predict, it would probably go four or five, and the Lopes dominated them. The Lopes just came out. I don't know what. They just came out on fire. It was Haggy, it was Horton, it was Mario, DeFalco on defense, Mitchell doing what Claire Mitchell does as the setter, being sneaky at the net, yeah. and just setting up the attack. All three sets, I think it was 7-3 in the first set they jumped out to, 8-4 in the second set, 9-3 in the third set, not really giving the Aztecs any room for error after going down by such a large margin. And of course, they come back after that for the Grand Canyon Classic. They get upset by CSUN. Again, we're going to blame it on the change of venue. <laughs>
Lobstermnasium, nobody likes the Lobstermnasium. The, like, the men like the Lobstermnasium, but the women prefer the arena, and that's understandable, as they get just as many fans in the arena, if not a little bit more than the men do at Antelope Gym. When it's men's season, right. it doesn't start till the winter, but both, and of course the men's volleyball team looking to have a very improved season. They didn't have a bad one last year, looking to improve, but women looking to make their first WAC tournament since being eligible. This is year three, right? so they're looking to get there, and at this point, I don't see them not at least getting to the WAC tournament, if not winning the WAC tournament and advancing to their first ever NCAA tournament, which would be big feat for them and very helpful for the program going forward. You talk about men's. Men's all freshmen last year, basically. That That's a closed closed unit there that's going to be good for a few years here. They only lost two. Early. Only graduated two last year. And this year for the Lopes, I mean, offensively for the women's, it's been Melody Horton, it's been Jenny Murillo, Kyra Moss, of course, with her career game, 18 kills, six blocks the other yes, night. Yes, UMKC, yeah. The only issue with women's is that most of their high offensive leaders at this point, Horton, Jenny Murillo's transferred over from JUCO, they're upperclassmen. Lopes' window for success here is kind of running out of time. Again, Melody Horton, their senior season has been phenomenal. Had 20 more kills in these last two games in Chicago and Kansas City. But the Lopes, this is their time. I mean, 12-2, they're dominating. Whack play early on. We got Seattle on Thursday night. Should be a, it should be an interesting task ahead. I mean, Jenny Murillo got off to arguably the hottest start ever. We, we talked to Tim a few times. She's, like, she's been a presence both in that locker room and on the field right out of the get-go. Lopes only have, Lopes have five seniors this year and will graduate four next year. So like you mentioned with that class this year and the class next year losing a decent bit of their team, but their young talent also, Claire Mitchell, the setter. She's right. going to yes. be big going over the next four years. They still have Haggy next year. She'll be big. They'll still have DeFalco on the defensive end. Who she'll graduate next year with Haggy, and of course DeFalco just won defensive whack defensive player of the week last week, and then Claire Mitchell was defensive player of the week for this for this last week as well. So back to back defensive player of the weeks for the Lopes. So you can tell that their defense is right there, and their offense is right along with it, and they just find ways to get kills. I'd like to see them get a little bit more of a net presence and see more consistency on the block end, but they don't allow very many that just drop to the floor. They're no, either they off the block or it's just a really good kill by the other team. And like I mentioned earlier, they've done a tremendous job capitalizing on their opponents' mistakes. We mentioned all the service errors that you're going to see throughout the season on both ends of the ball. It just happens. And the Lopes have been very good in the service game as you have Claire Mitchell up there in double-digit aces. Tegan DeFalco with 16, or Mitchell has 16 service aces. DeFalco has 13 service aces for the Lopes. And I believe Haggy is also in double-digit service aces for GCU. So DeFalco has 16, Matthews 13, and Mitchell 10. I got my numbers mixed up there. So three out of the top four servers for the Lopes have double-digit aces. And then Melody Horton's just one behind Mitchell with nine. So service game really starts it for the Lopes as they put pressure on the other team, and then their defense turns right into their offense, and Coach Nolan talks about it all the time. The oh, transition yeah. game is what we need to excel at, and we really have so far. And you mentioned the tight unit that men's volleyball possesses. I mean, Horton, Emma Ahern, Tyra Moss, who we just mentioned, DeFalco, Kubinski, KJ Adams. Like, just name anybody, really. Coach Nolan's been able to go to them this season, and they've been tremendously successful. And again, two more games this weekend, you got Seattle tomorrow night, Thursday, in the GC Arena. 
They got another big one on Saturday. Going with their first ever tailgate on Saturday. Hey, be there, be square. I will be there. I'm going to go get it that free t-shirt. First 1,500 fans trying to break the attendance record Saturday night, which might be a little hard to do after Friday night, which, of course, kicks off basketball season because it is Midnight Madness on Friday. But yes, go ahead. Let's talk about Midnight Madness. Midnight Madness, Jurassic Park theme. The arena is going to be transformed into Jurassic University. I'm ready. I'm going to be there tonight for rehearsal, and I'll be there Friday night for the real thing. And I believe that there's not going to be a scrimmage this year, but a skills competition, I think. For at least the men, probably for the women too. It's honestly a better idea than a scrimmage. Well, the scrimmage is a glorified dunk contest. So it's basically, basically the same, same thing. Contest. It's basically the same thing. For the most part, yeah. It'll be a little bit more challenging and a little bit more fun. And it'll actually see who's going to out-compete who. Because, of course, you want to walk away with that title, per se, yeah. on the team I'm the most skilled. Oh, I, I like the Jurassic theme. I, I think this is arguably the best one yet. I, I like Dan dressing up as Batman a few years back. I enjoyed that. Uh, the Batmobile. But again, know. Jurassic Park. It'll be interesting to see what they do. You said you're going to be on social media tomorrow. Right. When I'm going to go film that stuff for tonight. Yeah. They'll put it on their Instagram stories. They'll follow, I think it's going to be the GCU Athletics. So GCU underscore Lopes. That's at GCU underscore Lopes, both on Twitter and Instagram. And Facebook, I really don't know. But Twitter and Instagram for sure. Jurassic yeah. Park, Jurassic University. Get in line early. The people are already camping. Camping started yesterday at 4 p.m. All the Havocs out there in their tents. It's ridiculous. There it really is, is. I think as of last night when they closed registration, there was already almost 100 tents and like 400 people already. And I don't know what they're up to now. Is registration open, what is it, 55 minutes ago for today? I know I'm not going to camp out till tomorrow just because I don't want to have to sleep outside for more than one night. But oh, yeah. In line by 8 a.m. Maybe sooner. I mean, I think everybody got to slip underneath their doors. I know when it starts, 11.15. Doors open. Yeah. We'll see if it's a little less crazy than last year. I mean, we broke a door. There was a broken clavicle. I don't... It is astonishing to know that there's going to be people waiting in line, like backed up in a line, about 13 hours before gates actually open. Probably by about noon, you're going to see the line from wherever they cut off the campers to the standby students, which a couple, some of those... You're going to stay in line for 13 hours, and you still might not get into the arena. Right. That's how packed it's going to be. And by probably about 12, 1230 tomorrow, or on Friday afternoon, rather, it'll be probably almost to Lopes Way at that point. Astonishing. And then it normally goes all the way back to the Grove, I assume. Never had to go in the standby line, but that line just goes on forever. Uh, don't get in line at 1030 at night. You'll, you'll be all Unless the way back. Unless you have a friend at the oh front. Oh, my goodness. If you have a friend at the front, then that's fine. Yeah, if but you have connections... Use it. Lucky. You're lucky. Definitely. It's going to be a fun night. What are your predictions for next year? Because we kind of got a taste. We got kind of got to hear the audio from the uh, promo video going it's into next to be year. Bigger. I don't... It's going to be bigger, apparently. I don't know. Like Avengers big? Like, What's bigger than a dinosaur? Not a lot. King Kong? Oh, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. In Phoenix, got no Empire State Building to climb here. Well, they've done Pirates, they've done Star Wars, they've done Zombies, they've done Batman. They're about to do Dinosaurs. Will they stick in the movie realm, though? Will they Will they leave the Game cinematic world? Game of Thrones. Ooh. Because they've done Zombies, which is not, it wasn't necessarily like Walking Dead, but it's zombie-related. So you could go that way. I don't know. Just thought about that. I'm gonna throw that. that that's the number one. I think it. that's the number one prediction. Game of Thrones. Start the poll. GCU Midnight Madness 2020. That could. If that happens, you heard it here first. 
on the pilot edition of the Haddock's Hangout podcast. Mark it down. Believe October the 2nd at 11.57 a.m. October 2nd. So again, six weeks into the year, we've got a lot going on on campus. Men's soccer got a chance to talk to George Tesoris. He checked this interview out on our first episode. Women's soccer looking to turn things around. Women's volleyball just really kicking butt right now. You really can't say too much. I mean, they're so good right now that the Haddock's actually hand-gifted Coach Nolan a potato after their win against the Idaho Vandals. Which was something. You had a potato too. I also had a potato. I hope you've got that out of your backpack by now. I did. It was. It got to the point where something was really smelling, and I'm like, "It's the potato." Well, it's time to give it, it up. Was. I mean, it was a gift. I I wanted to be polite and have it around, but no, it stuck up my room quite a bit. I can't have it. But men's soccer, women's soccer, women's volleyball again kicking butt, like I said, and of course, Midnight Madness, Jurassic University. We got a chance to go to media day for uh, men's basketball, so I'll coach Dan Morley, read his script for that. It's going to be fun. There's a lot that's going to go on. That's all I know as of right now, and I mean, that's all I can really say about it anyway. Right. Not going to give too much away for those of you that are going to end up going, or you'll see the recap video on the GCU YouTube yeah. page. We so. wouldn't want to spoil it for everybody, and then nobody goes, you know? Yeah, well, that'd be nice. That'd be, standing in line. That'd be good for us. We wouldn't have to get in line until about 10 p.m. Yeah, probably like 10 But it's going to be a nonstop party, 11.15, so maybe it'll go longer than a half hour this year. I don't know what the plan is, but normally it's about 12.30, 12.45 by the time... Everything's done, and Coach Marley drops the mic like he did last year. I don't think he'll be able to do that this year. I think people got mad at him for that. Dan Marley can do whatever Dan Marley wants to do. Let's be honest. Yeah, you're right. It's true. All it's right. year eight. It's, it's year eight. eight. That'll do it for our first ever edition of the Havoc Hangout podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Pocket Cast. There's so many different platforms to check out a podcast so do so if you're interested in advertising on the show please contact believe podcast network at believe.com from everybody here at the havocs hangout podcast alongside kyle bork i'm jack o'hara saying have a great rest of your weekend as always lopes up oh you stole it lopes up listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube